0: You are tuned in to High Heels and Chill, where we will discuss a variety of topics, so get ready to relax, relate, and release with your girl T. Welcome, welcome everyone, and thank you all for tuning in to my very first episode of High Heels and Chill. Today is also a very special day for me because it's my birthday. So happy birthday to me. Also on the show, I have Nikki Ridd who will be joining us and we're going to discuss the dangers of stress and different strategies that we can practice to help cope with stress. But before we dive into that, let's have a moment of silence for our brothers and sisters who has lost their lives due to police brutality, or either just senseless violence. And again, thank you, Nikki Red, for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Well, let's get into it. Let's just talk about stress. I mean... I can relate to the term stress kills. I hear this so often. I've been hearing this term ever since I was a little girl. Like I can remember my grandmother saying, you know, things like, don't let stress get the best of you or, you know, the term stress kills Mm -hmm. and, you know, it's hard to say that It's, you know, I'm not going to stress about this and I'm not going to stress about that. But sometimes, let's just be honest, sometimes life gets the best of us and sometimes we're stressing and we don't even know That we're stressing. And it could be like even with the things that's going on today in our society, you know, the police brutality, you know, black on black crime. Like when you turn on social media, like when you get on it, there's even the news like there's hardly anything positive that's going on. And even though like these things may not be going on in your home or particularly someone that's close to you, you know, Naturally, you can't help but to stress and worry about it. So just like even, you know, having three male Black sons just as well as I have three male Black sons, like just looking on social media in the news, like what is your take on that? Like, how does that make you feel?
1: It's sad. It hurts. It's like, is my child going to be the next, you know, life to be taken by
0: police? Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, as a people, you know, even having an eight-year-old son, like, I tell him, you know, I try my best to make it seem so he doesn't walk in fear, mm-hmm. but to be smart. So I I talk to him and I keep it real. I don't sugarcoat anything because I don't want him going out into the world with this imagination like, oh, well, it won't happen to me. Right. Because I pray that it doesn't happen to him or anybody else for that matter. But at the end of the day, I am not in control of what somebody else feel or how they're thinking or what they're going through in the moment that makes them have these hateful thoughts that turns into hateful actions. So... We're gonna dive in. Um, let's just get right into it. Um, Nikki Red here is a stroke survivor, and you know, it was very scary for me when she had the stroke because I was actually the last person she spoke to on the telephone, so we were just on the phone talking, chopping it up like we always do, laughing you know, cracking jokes, just, you know, talking about love, talking about pain. And then on the phone, she was just like, you know, girl, I'm starting to get a headache. You know, I'm gonna get off the phone and I'm gonna go take something for my migraine, you know, and I'll call you back later. So when I didn't receive a phone call back from her, I didn't think that you were having a stroke or, you know, anything like that. I just assumed that, okay she took her Tylenol or whatever and she's laying down chilling and you know we'll talk tomorrow because if you remember it was really late it had to have been about like nine ten o'clock at night mm-hmm. and so when I received the phone call the next day that she had a stroke it just immediately like broke my heart and we rushed to the hospital and making it to the hospital like we were not even allowed to go back to see you because you were in surgery. So I want to know, like, how old were you? You know, well, I know, but I want you to let the people know how old were you when you had a stroke? Because sometimes we tend to think, oh, well, most people have strokes when they're in their older ages in life or, you know, they just have had to have so many health issues mm-hmm. from birth. But how old were you? I was 43. 43, which is young. Did you have any prior health problems before your stroke? Just a little high blood pressure and that's it. Okay. So what high blood pressure like were you, um, was, is it was hereditary? Were you taking high blood pressure pills? Were you like Taking your pills like you were supposed to. Like, you know, could you elaborate on that?
1: I never took the pills. And I knew I had it because my mom had it. I got it from her. And I didn't want to take it because I never wanted to be the one to take a pill for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But surely enough, I'm now taking a pill for the rest of my life.
0: So, you know, educate us a little bit. Now, I was told that it was different types of strokes. Is that true? Yeah. And could you speak on the type of stroke that you had?
1: The one that I had was an aneurysm, which is a bleed on the brain, Mm -hmm. where a blood vessel burst in your head. And I never knew until maybe a year after my stroke, when I read my paperwork, that I actually had a stroke. So, I honestly didn't know that
0: an aneurysm, a bleed on the brain, is an actual stroke. Wow. And do you recall, so like leading up to the stroke, obviously you had high blood pressure. You were not taking the high blood pressure pills consistently, right? No, I wasn't. Because you felt that maybe because you were not experiencing certain type of health issues that you were fine. Right. And you didn't need the high blood pressure pills. So I thought. So you thought. So when it came down to because, correct me if I'm wrong, I know like people who experience high blood pressure, like um, maybe they have to change their diet. Or obviously try not to stress if you can. Um, Like doing more exercises. Like do you feel like maybe your diet or – lack of exercise or maybe just like, were you just stressing? Like, what do you think your personal thought of what led up to the aneurysm? My
1: stress came from the things my husband was putting me through throughout our marriage. And it was bothering me and bothering me and bothering me to where when it finally came down to it, I guess my body just really couldn't take
0: it no more. Okay. So when you say things that, you know, he was putting you through, like, what are some of the things? Because I mean, people, you know, just a relationship period sometimes can cause some type of stress to a certain type of degree. What are some things that You were experiencing because I'm sure there are listeners out there that may be experiencing the same thing and could be staring a stroke in the face themselves because they're not realizing because we feel like, you know, uh, we're we're so strong. uh, We still going to work every day and we still taking care of kids and we still cooking and cleaning and doing the things that we are supposed to do. Like, what are some of the things that was going on at that at that moment? Well, at that particular time frame.
1: Him running the streets, the infidelity, the cheating. It was a lot for me. And I, you know, it was too much for me to handle, to deal with. And even though I thought I could deal with it, my body told me otherwise.
0: Okay. So when you said the infidelity cheating, did you know at the time he was cheating? I knew. And how did you know? Like, did he hide it or was he just a person to be like, this is what I'm doing, love it or leave it? I knew because I went through his phone. Okay, so you went through his phone. Oh, well, I mean, the proof is in a pudding if you go through someone's phone. So this is my thing. I feel like I can remember going through the a stage in my life. Because I was once married to uh, first of all, it started back from calling numbers back on the beeper. So it, it 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 goes back deeper for me, you know? And it went from calling numbers back on the pager, um, getting the code to the pagers, um, voicemail and and changing like the voicemail messaging and putting my voice on it and things like that. And Eventually going through the cell phone. Mm-hmm. Now, you were 43 when you experienced the stroke, right? Mm-hmm. So I got to a point in my life, I want to say what I was like in my mid-20s, right? To mm-hmm. so where I just stopped going through cell phones. And you want to know why I stopped going through cell phones? Why? Because I just got tired of getting my eyes bust and hurting my own feelings. And saying that to say was, every time I went into the cell phone, mm-hmm. each time, I got what I was looking for. Right? That always happens.
1: Because. You am what you're looking for.
0: Right. And so, and finding what I was looking for was great. Right, because Mm -hmm. I felt like I knew it, I knew it, I knew this was happening. I knew you was doing it, but I found myself knowing that that was happening, knowing what my intuition was telling me, but I still stayed. Mm -hmm. Right, and so in staying, I realized that okay, not only am I just saying okay, it's okay, you can do it. You know, because it didn't, it didn't matter how much I fuss. I mean, I show—I sure, don't mind showing up at somebody at that time. I didn't mind showing up at somebody's house. Like, I didn't have, it was just whatever. It was up there. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But I got to a point in my life to where I was like, you know, this is not something that I want to be doing because ultimately I'm hurting myself because I'm not leaping. I'm not going in this phone, getting this information and saying, you know what? You don't love me like you say you do or you don't respect me enough, you know, like you say you do. You continually doing it like I stay, right? But within staying, I noticed that I began to stress more because, girl, every time that phone buzzed or beeped or did any type of thing, my antennas was up like, hold up. Who that is? I wonder who that is. And I can't wait till he go to sleep or figuring out the codes and this and that. And I just was like, you know, I mean, I don't want to be this person, you know? And so now in my current relationship, just because I have so much other things to deal with, like for me, I'm not going through your phone. Because I've learned you ain't got to go through the phone. Whatever somebody doing a dog is going to come To the light. Always. So it's just like, for me, I'm not going through your phone. You know what I'm saying? And I understand people make mistakes. People mess up. You know what I'm saying? Nobody's perfect. But I don't want to stress myself out because I know me personally, I am a worrier. It doesn't matter. And I try to better myself from being that way, but I worry about everything with my children at school. You know, I'm worrying about this. I'm worrying about that. Like, I'm worrying about situations that I probably shouldn't even be worrying about. So, leading back to you and going through his phone and finding whatever you found out, did you bring it to him? Did you approach him and let him know, brother, I know what you're doing? Did you do that?
1: I did. Yes, I did. And his excuse? It was a dude. It wasn't what I thought because he knew I was going to go through his phone, all kinds of stuff. So he made it look like he planted that there for me to find or, you know, stuff like that. Mm. But me, I knew better. Mm. You know, he let me use his phone one night to make a payment towards something because my phone wasn't on at the time. Mm -hmm. And for some reason, he was holding back on letting me use it. Mm. So my antennas
0: went up. There you go, though. That's that woman's intuition. And finally,
1: when he gave me the phone, I'm making the payment on the phone. And you know how your phone dropped down when the text message? Comes yes, in? Lord. I do.
0: It was a female texting saying, OK, baby. Mm. And what? So and, and mind you, we're speaking of like days or weeks prior before the stroke. Before my stroke. Yeah. OK, so when you seen that, OK, baby, what did you do? My heart was in my stomach. I
1: was sitting there. I was shaking. I was pissed off. I went on and I made the payment on the phone. Mm-hmm. And then pay I pay your bills. Took my thing. Took. <sighs> I'm sorry. No, it's okay. Take your turn. I was like, oh hell no. Who the fuck is saying it's I'm okay? Speaking about. Who mind. is saying okay, baby? Mm-hmm. So I took the phone and I ran to the this side of the bed to the left side of the bed, mm-hmm. and he ran around. and I had the phone up under the bed. I was on the floor, mm-hmm. and he was trying to take it from me. Mm-hmm. Of course, he was always. Mm-hmm. So he finally got it from me. I went off on him. I cursed him out from sun up to sundown. Mm-hmm. He ended up leaving the house and jumped on the bus. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. So he jumped on the bus. He left.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: He gave you some space. And then obviously he needed some safety because he loves you. Obviously. No, he went to go be with that home. Oh, well, that's another story. Mm-hmm. But so in that moment, right, in that moment of you knowing him leaving to get on the bus mm-hmm. to go be with another female, you didn't get the urge to say, okay, I need to go. I deserve better. I don't deserve this. You did you not feel that or you feel like you felt like my marriage even though he's doing this, my marriage is worth fighting for. Was that how you felt? At the time,
1: I mean, yeah, I felt like my marriage was worth fighting for. I didn't. It's my first marriage. I never want my marriage to be like forget it, I'm leaving because he cheated. Because if everybody left because their their spouse or significant other cheated, then
0: everybody would be with different people all the time. So do, okay. All right. So I get it. Giving a chance, working through it, fighting for it. Because sometimes, you know, we get into relationships and sometimes we bring in prior baggage from our last relationship where we Mm -hmm. feel like, you know, I can't let my guards down or some people feel like I got to keep somebody in the hole just in case, you know, different scenarios like that. But was it his first time cheating? No. Okay. Was it his second time cheating? No. Okay. Was it his third time cheating? No. So at what point, because obviously These situations are causing stress, right? Mm -hmm. It's not the first time. It's not the second time. It's not the third time. Seems like it's not the fourth time, but we not even count. You understand what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But we all are aware that those different things causes stress. So even if you didn't even get a chance to heal from one situation Mm -hmm. or release that from another situation or when you was at your healing point from one situation, another situation. Surface. Surface. And not only just the, the relationship of marriage. I mean, people have children. Just life. Like you have a mother, you have a father, you have a grandmother. So just, you know, sometimes things that our family members are going through and they call us or we know about it. That's also an added on stress, right? Right. On top of everything that's going on. So you got all these things. So at this point, before you have the stroke, because obviously that's the last thing that you think is going to happen to you, because none of us think that something like that's going to happen unless we just was born with the history of health issues. And Mm -hmm. that's just what we know. But for you, that was not the case. So, in knowing all of this, right, mm-hmm. did you ever feel like, okay, well, I don't deserve
1: this? Always. I always felt like that. I'm a good person. I got a good heart. I'll do anything for anybody. And that's true. She would. And the sad part is, when I called the girl. Mm. So, you called her. Well, my you didn't neighbor. say you called her. Oh, yeah. I called her. Mm. And the conversation was when she answered the phone that morning, ma'am, I don't know your husband. Mm, So she was the ride or die. mm -hmm, So as I described and described and described, she kept saying, ma'am, I don't know your husband. So me being me, Mm -hmm. I paid for information online.
0: I know where she lived (laughs) and everything. Technology is serious, y'all. Y'all better be careful. So So I found out a
1: picture of who she was and everything. And I kept texting her and I told her, I said, I know you messing with my husband and you can call me and we can talk about a woman to woman. And she kept texting me back. I don't know your husband. So when I screenshotted her picture from her Facebook and sent it to her, that's when
0: my phone rang. She could call me back then, you know? But okay. So I'm going to play devil's advocate because I feel where you coming from. And I've been in your shoes. Not to the point where I was, like, getting information like how you was, but I've been in a similar situation, mm-hmm. right? So, if you knew that all of this was going on, and maybe she just didn't want to tell you because, well, obviously, she, maybe she didn't want to ruin the situation with him and her, or it could have been a situation of her going through a situation And she just fell weak to this situation that she didn't want to hurt you. What is it that you needed her to tell you that you didn't already know? I just wanted her
1: to admit it. Why? Mm. Did he admit it? He didn't admit it. He lied who the phone number was for and everything. So the person that he said it was for, I contacted them. And they told me that was not their phone number.
0: So, okay. Who owes you loyalty? Her... Or your husband? My husband. So why did you expect her to keep it real with you when she's not your friend? I was being a bitch. Okay. Okay. Thank you for your honesty.
1: I was being a bitch and I knew she wasn't going to be honest, but I wanted her to know bitch I
0: knew. Mm-hmm. So. So let's fast forward. You sent her a picture of herself. To let her know I knew exactly who she was. And what happened when you sent the picture of herself to her? She called my phone back. And how did that go?
1: It didn't go good.
0: (laughs) And why? Because she kept
1: telling me stuff like, you need to talk to your husband and Mm -hmm. and all kinds of stuff, which I agreed at the end of the day. But yet and still, you know, he's a married man. Mm -hmm. And then she was saying stuff like just different stuff to me, you know. So it was a lot. And it's like I kept catching it and I kept catching it. He kept begging. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh he kept begging and he kept begging you know begging and begging and begging and so when I called him out on it so many times with the same female I think it was maybe two years into that same female the last straw came in when after I called him out on it the last time Mm -hmm. he had the nerve to say well she said that I know you love your wife. And like I told him, why is it she had to say it? Why you couldn't say, well, I love my wife. This got to stop. Why she had to be the one to say it. But before all of that took place, he ended up going to work one night. And by him going to work, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. then the time that he had to be to work, I got a bad feeling after he left. Like a maybe 30, 40 minutes after. Mm-hmm. And something say call his phone. Mm. That feeling had me. The intuition. The intuition. Something say call his phone. And when I called it, the phone answered by itself. And I heard him in the car with the female. Oh, Lord mercy. And I listened and I listened and I'm crying. And but I listened and I listened. And then when the phone he realized it was on, he hung it up. I called him back. He declined it. Mm-hmm. I called her. She said, bitch, lay down and go to sleep somewhere. Mm. So I sent her a text, said, bitch, you with my husband, but I got you. You need to drive him back here to pick up his shit and get the fuck out of my house. Oh. And he was in the car. He heard her say that to me. And when he came home the next night, he didn't come until like At nighttime, because I guess he couldn't face me. Right, right. So, you know, he was saying all kinds of stuff like, I'm sorry, and I shouldn't have done it. I can't say if the relationship stopped after that. I Honestly, I don't
0: know, but... The relationship between him and her. Between him and her, but it... So, all right. So, you don't know if the relationship stopped in between him and her, right? Not at that moment. Not at that moment. Right. But you had control over... The relationship between you and your husband. Yeah. So, because that was your husband, right? Because it almost sounds like this title of husband, a wife, or main, a bottom chick, or whatever the title is these days. Like, I almost feel like sometimes it makes people feel like that because they have a certain title, That they have to put up with certain shit. Right. And for me... Thank goodness to the most high for growth. I don't care about the title. You know? I'm at a point in my life where... I'm loving me more. You understand what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Because... I don't want to stress. And have a stroke. And I understand problems... But just like we are in control of ourselves, our spouses are in control of themselves. Right. And because it was the cheating the first time, the second time, the third time, the fourth time, the fifth time, the sixth time, he knows you. He knows that he feels in his heart, you down for him. Right? Mm -hmm. And you're going to be upset about the situation and eventually you're going to get over it. Right? Mm Because you get over it, right? Right. But when are you going to start loving you? When are you going to say, you know what? I'm too good for him. And I'm not saying leave your husband. Because I would never tell you to leave your husband. Right. You understand what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But when are you going to start loving you enough to say that I don't deserve this? And not enough to say I don't deserve this. I'm packing my shit and I'm leaving. But I don't deserve this. And if you, because you're willing to deal with it, right? Right. If you don't make a change, then things are going to change. You understand what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Because going through all of this, I can see where that caused the ultimate stress. Because when he do come home, he's coming home to you. He's hugging you. He's loving you on you. He's touching you. You cooking for him. You doing everything that a wife should do. Should do. I'm supposed to do. But you still look at him in his eye and it's like, I know what you're doing. Oh, when I walk, when you walk out this house to tell me you gonna go to work or you going chill by so-and-so. I don't even know that to be true. Right. And so just living like that on top of. Everyday life is very, very stressful. It is. And don't get me wrong. I'm not a saint. I'm not
1: going to say I haven't cheated because I did. But the only reason I did cheat because when he went, well, he
0: cheated first and that's what made me cheat after. Stop. I'm going to stop you right there. He cheated first. Well, let's talk about the time frame. Was this close to your stroke phase?
1: No, this was way before,
0: like a month years. before, years before, right? Yeah, so, years. like towards the beginning of your relationship, maybe two years after, were you guys married? Yeah. Okay, so he had infidelity. You had infidelity, but you said that you cheated because he cheated,
1: right? I did it because he didn't.
0: No. My personal take on it, and it's just me. Mm-hmm. In your mind, you probably felt like I'm angry, and I want to get back at you because you hurt me, and I want to hurt you because guess what? Hurt people, hurt, hurt, hurt people, hurt people. You understand what I'm saying? Like that's just what it is sometimes. But at the end of the day, you had a choice. I did. You had a choice, and you chose to do whatever it was you did, and nobody's judging you. Because this is not a place, this is not a platform to be judged. Mm -hmm. This is a platform to keep it real and get it off your chest. But it's also a platform to bring the realness of every situation. Now, at that point in the beginning, two years, and y'all was married newlyweds, right? Mm -hmm. So newlyweds, you're supposed to be happy, depending on how your funding is, taking trips. If your funding ain't up there, just enjoying each other, right? Mm -hmm. But in this process, it was on some catchback shit, right? Mm -hmm. So at that very moment, before the catchback shit, before you got knee knee deep into it, you had the opportunity to walk away, right? I did. But you decide to cheat with the intent of cheating. Did you intend for him to find out? No. So, it wasn't catchback to a certain extent because if it's catchback and you wanted him to find out, you'd have made it obvious for him to find out.
1: Right?
0: You, it was a, a moment where you was weak. Maybe it was a sexual need. Maybe it was an emotional need. Maybe it was a mental need. Maybe it was a void that needed to be filled. Because at the moment, maybe he was not feeling that void, right? Right. But it doesn't make it okay. And one thing I know about a man, I'm not a man, right? Mm-hmm. But I've, I'm have i close, really close friends with males. I have a brother, you know, I'm in a relationship to where we could talk about pretty much anything. Now, Mm -hmm. it ain't open to where we could just do anything. I just say we could talk about anything. Right. Right, Especially if it's something that happened before me because I'm not too keen on to be talking about shit that's going on during me. Right? (laughs) Right. Okay. So, a man, and it's not acceptable. In no way, shape, no way, shape, or form is it it acceptable, but we could actually deal with all the stuff they put us through. But the minute they find out that we have been touched, licked, anything by another male, they cannot take it. And 12 years later, 15 years later, guess what they're going to do? They're going to throw it in your face. they going to throw it in your face because they cannot handle it, right? And that's cool. You know what I'm saying? My, my, I was thought if you can't, you know, if you can't handle it, don't dish it out. But, and I'm sure everybody have heard that at some point in their life, but it is actually real when it comes down to the male species, because they feel like it's an ego thing. Mm -hmm. And on top of that, they feel like you're mine. And even if you had somebody before them, obviously, because most of the times they don't be your first, right? They ain't worrying about all that. But anything after them that touched you, it's just like a problem. It's the end of that world.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But y'all got past that, right? So I thought. So you thought, have you ever cheated again? No. So that was years ago. How many years ago was that before this year of the stroke? Wow. That was like maybe.
1: Three, four years before my stroke? No, so five, maybe five years before. Five
0: stroke. years before the tro- stroke. Mm-hmm. So, I don't want to say he had time to get over it because I can't really even much say the time frame of somebody else getting over something. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But, it could have been a situation where, in his mind, he mm-hmm. replanned that situation like it happened Five days ago, could have been five years ago, but he reliving it like it happened five days ago because he made you his wife. Mm -hmm. Right. He could have made anybody his wife. You were his first wife. Right. Right. So he could have made anybody his wife. He chose you. And in his mind, regardless of what he did, he felt like you would have did it, which that's not okay because respect goes a long way. It does. It really does. And I regretted it ever since. But you got past it. I tried, but he
1: kept throwing it in my face. And every time I catch him cheating or doing wrong, you know, down back, he'll throw it in my face what I did all those years ago.
0: So did you guys ever seek some type of counseling, like through a pastor or through a licensed therapist or just somebody who you guys felt like? You could trust who could mediate the situation and give out good advice and guidance. Did you try that after the cheating between both of you? No, he said he don't want it. He don't need it. So, were you willing to do it? I was willing to do it. But he wasn't willing to do it. He wasn't willing to do it. Mm. So, with him not being willing to do it, because men hurt too. Um, On top of all the things that our black males have to go through, which we go through things too. Don't get me wrong. They hurt too. They do. But they also try to portray this role most men. And I'm not speaking for all men because I'm not a man. So I really can't speak on a man. But they sometimes feel like I got it. I can handle it. They suck it up and they feel like life goes on. But life really didn't go on because it was bothering him because he always brought it up and talked about it. And
1: he kept bringing it up and kept bringing it up. Basically, he was saying an eye for an eye, which is why he was still constantly
0: cheating on me. But it wasn't an eye for an eye because you only did it that you once. You only when. did it that once. It wasn't an eye for an eye. But it, it seems like he was at a point to where even though you only did it once, it seems like he felt like he couldn't trust you. Right. So it feels to me like the trust was broken on both ends because although you wasn't cheating anymore, Mm -hmm. you still was doing the things of like going through his phone and always looking over your shoulder and always wondering. So if you trust somebody, Mm -hmm. you don't have those type of things going through your head because it's just like, I trust that, you know, he messed up, he did it, you know, it's over, he's not going to do it no more. You didn't have that, right? I didn't. So, we're in a marriage, right? Mm-hmm. The trust is dead. Gone. There's no trust. The love is there, right? Barely. When you say barely, elaborate on it. Because you were still with him, so... I'm still with him,
1: but it's like I felt it was barely there because I feel like I'm the only one trying to make it work. Mm. I'm the only one that's trying, and he's not. Like, he could care less. It's all about running, running, running the streets and not worrying about home. And he would always say, I bitch and complain too much. That's why he don't stay home. So...
0: Did you bitch and complain a lot? I bitch and complained on the things that he did all the time. All the time. So you bitch and complained. A lot. I bitch and complained a lot. Okay, so I can see where that could get a little aggravated. Just, I'm just saying. Right. I'm not but, saying. I'm not saying he's right. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying I can see where that could get aggravated. Right. And
1: okay. I get that. But stop doing stuff you know is
0: wrong to give me a reason to bitch and complain. Okay. So if you know. That he's doing things wrong that cause you to bitch and complain. Why sit there and soak it in and continue to bitch and complain?
1: I don't know. To be honest with you, I really don't know. I love my husband. I love my marriage. It's my first marriage. I want to make it work. And I'm trying, you know. I'll do anything for that dude. Anything. But what, what, what
0: would you? You would do anything for that dude. But what are the levels that you're going to take for you? What levels would you take to do anything for you? I don't know. Honestly, I don't know. And see, you know, there's a lot of women like I'm guilty of it like. We do that for whatever reason. Like, I don't, I can't even much say because everybody's story and situation is different. Some people feel like, you know what I'm saying? If I leave them, I can't live the lifestyle I used to live. Or some people feel like, you know, this is my children's daddy. Or some people feel like I've invested all these years. But that is no excuse. It's not. To allow somebody. To cause you so much pain to where you're stressing out and having a stroke. Because what a God forbid, what do you think would have happened if you would have stroked out and just stroked out of life? What do you think would have happened? How do you think the husband that you love, what do you think his lifestyle would be right now? (laughs) Running the streets. The same shit. And do you know what he had the nerve to say to me? What is that? I can grieve in the streets.
1: <laughs> Ain't that about a bitch? Wow. How did, like, how did that make you feel? I turned away and walked off.
0: So you turned away, you walked off. But you're still internalizing all of these different things that he's saying to you, Mm -hmm. all the different things that you're going through on top of everyday life. So let's fast forward, because, I mean, we don't have to go fast forward that far, because this was in the same vicinity of the stroke, because I can recall you venting to me about these things, and me, you know, giving my opinion, which, at the end of the day, my opinion don't matter because it's up to you to make the ultimate decision. Right? Okay, so let's fast forward to the night of the stroke. We were okay. on the phone.
1: Mhm. I don't remember. I'm sorry. I lost a lot of my memory.
0: Okay, which is causes of the stroke. The aneurysm. Mm-hmm. We were on the phone just to catch you all up and we were laughing, joking. We were actually talking about this situation of this particular female,
1: mm-hmm.
0: right? Um, and me, I'm a jokester. I like to joke. <laughs> so I was cracking several jokes because I was trying to, I knew like, obviously I couldn't take the pain away. I couldn't take the, situ- the situation away. But I do know that I could make her laugh. And I'm very good at making you laugh, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you are. So that was my goal because that's just what I felt like she needed at the moment because I couldn't take anything away Mm -hmm. that was going on. Like I had no control of that. Right. So with that being said, we laughing on the phone. We talking stuff. I'm cracking jokes. I'm talking about the female when she got her picture received to her. Like I'm just pretty much joked out. But when Nigi Red starts to tell me about, you know, she's having a headache, you know, she starts to get a headache as we were on the phone, right? Mm -hmm. And like I said in the beginning, she expressed to me that she was going to go take a Tylenol. Just, you know, take it, relax, chill. You know how we let the headache go away and maybe she will call me back. But the fact that she didn't. I didn't think none of it because she is a TV watcher and maybe she found something good on TV that she wanted to watch. But I want to know, And taking that Tylenol or whatever it is you took, what did you take?
1: Took a Tylenol.
0: You took a Tylenol. How many milligrams? Do you remember? I
1: don't remember how many milligrams, but I know I took a Tylenol. It was over the countertop. It was over the counter and I laid in the bed and I played my phone. All I do is play games on my phone.
0: Okay, so like moments are minutes leading into the stroke? What exactly do you recall that you were doing?
1: I was playing my game on my phone. And then And then I've always suffered from migraines anyway, but that's when migraines start out small and they work their way big and you can't deal with light, you know, and all of that extra stuff and smells and stuff. So
0: you decided to cut off the lights. I cut off everything. And what did you do at that point to soothe yourself to help you to go to sleep? I mean, because it's on high heels and chill, we're not doing nothing but keeping it real. I just played
1: my game on my phone because I didn't. It's been said that you should never go to sleep with a headache. Mm-hmm. So I went, I didn't want to go to sleep with a headache. It was after two in the morning, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's like for some reason, Something fell out the sky and just bust me in the head. And my headache immediately
0: just got big out of nowhere. So what type of thoughts were you having? So you said, so there was just the, the playing of the phone. hmm Just playing with the phone. Yes. I feel like it was something else. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it was something else going on.
1: Stress was eating at me. You know? My husband was at work. And when that that feeling came to me. Which feeling? The, the headache.
0: The headache from the pressure
1: of what? The migraine that I was having mm-hmm. that came out of nowhere and just bust me in the head. You know, if you ever hear anyone saying that you're no, if you ever get a headache, and it's a feeling, it's a headache like you've never felt before. Mm-hmm. Believe me when I tell you, it is the truth. Because it's a headache like you've never felt before. hmm
0: mm-hmm.
1: And I kind of got scared for a minute because me knowing me and how my body works, I knew that headaches don't start big. Right, right, right. But this one is like it fell out the sky and hit me out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. And I got really scared. I called my husband. He didn't answer. And I, b- before he even didn't even answer, I just hung up. And I was like, no, I'm going to take another pill and call him back mm-hmm. after and try and get some rest. But unfortunately, when I stood up, my head was like a weight. Mm-hmm. I fell to the left into the wall. I couldn't stand. And my phone was in my hand, and immediately I knew to call nine one one, and that's what I did. I called nine one one, and it was so scary because they asked me. The lady was on the phone with me, and she asked me if you know there were dogs or you know a gate or anything like that. And I told her no. She asked me if I could make it to the door to unlock it, and I told her I was upstairs, mm-hmm. you know, but I can crawl down the stairs, and that's what I did. I was in the nude, but I crawled into the closet, Mm. got one of his big t-shirts and put and slipped it on. I didn't think about pants, drawers, nothing. I didn't at the time because I couldn't think about that, but I did make sure I had on a shirt. Mm -hmm. I didn't want nobody seeing me, you know, like that. And I was, I remember vomiting up the stairs, middle way of the stairs, and at the bottom of the stairs. Mm-hmm. I, un- I crawled down the stairs, and I unlocked the door. And I asked the lady, I said, please stay on the phone with me. She asked me what was my emergency, and I told her something is wrong with my head. And I don't know what, and I am really scared. hmm And she stayed on the phone with me until they came. And when they came, they came inside, and they walked me to the ambulance. Mm-hmm. My phone rung minutes after, and it was my husband calling back. Mm -hmm. And I remember asking the man in the back of the ambulance with me if he could just tell my husband, let him know what's going on. And he told me that he had his wife in the ambulance. And if you could meet me at New Orleans East Hospital, you know, that would be good. He Mm -hmm. didn't tell him why and what was going on. And my husband was like, okay, I'm on my way. So my husband left, you know, work or whatever. Mm -hmm. And he came, but I don't know how long he was there because I I remember I couldn't open my eyes anymore. I was just at a pace to where I couldn't even see anybody Mm -hmm. and I didn't understand what was happening to me. And it was so scared. And all I knew how to do was ask for my husband. And I kept saying, where's my husband? Where's my husband? And they was like, ma'am, your husband is right here. And it was just so scary because they were shipping me to another hospital. And when they shipped me to another hospital, I don't remember. I just remember after they told me he was there, I don't remember coming to for a long time. So I I figured it was a long time. And when
0: I did come to, I was in ICU. Now, I remember that. I remember getting the phone call, coming to the hospital, sitting in the hospital while you were in surgery. It was myself um, and a few other close friends. Mm -hmm. We were all in the waiting room. We could not see you that particular day. I think I was in surgery. Right. So the next day, I think it was a day later in ICU Mm -hmm. and um, I went to the, you were in ICU I went in a room and you were pretty much out of it I don't remember seeing you at all and I was trying to make you recall the events Mm -hmm. that happened before the stroke um, the conversation that we had and you just did not remember it was Almost as if, like, at one minute, you, one point you knew who I was. And then in another breath, you were just kind of, like, talking out of your head. Like, just saying random things that I really don't even know what you were talking about. But I didn't want to let you see my emotions. So I just played off of whatever you said. Right?
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And so you know, like, what were your experiences like in the hospital during that time? In ICU. Because that's serious. That is the intensive care unit. Like, it's a blessing to make it out of ICU because either you make it out to ICU to come home or you make it out and you're with our maker. So, how were your experiences in ICU?
1: I remember... When I first woke up that I could remember, from what I remember, I remember just laying there looking around, not knowing what happened to me, what's going on or anything. Nobody told me anything. I remember having to go to the bathroom. And when I pressed the button for someone to come and take me, you know, mm-hmm. take me or give me the Assistance. Pants, yeah. She was like, I'll be there in a few minutes. Now, need I remind you, I had a brain injury, so I didn't know how to hold myself, basically. Mm-hmm. um, I ended up going on myself when she did come because she took so long. I couldn't hold it. I held it best that I could. Mm-hmm. And when I came, and as soon as she came with the bedpan, I had already started to go. And she got a straight attitude with me and was like, are you going? Oh, my God. And walked away from me. Mm. Left yeah. me sitting there in my own freaking urine. Wow. Know? And that hurt me. And for at least two weeks, I laid. There were times where I would just lay in my own urine. I wouldn't ask for no help. When the people would come bath me at two in the morning. They was like, oh, my God, you're so why you didn't call anybody. And me knowing what happened when I first woke up, Mm -hmm. I didn't realize. You know, I just didn't say anything. Mm -hmm. So I didn't say anything. Mm. And that was just sad because, you know, I just had a brain injury. Like, why would you do me that? I don't understand. And that hurts so much. And I didn't tell anybody anything for the longest time. And then as time went on, And I laid there, and I just laid there, and I laid there. I didn't want to do anything. And I'm a soap opera fanatic, so I'm always looking at the soaps for weeks. I didn't look at soaps. My TV wasn't on, and if it was it was because he was looking at it, you know? In the hospital. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I didn't look at it. I didn't look at it at all. And it hurted me to the fact to where I was too afraid to call for help. So every night they came... To give me a bath, I was soaked in my own urine because I was afraid to call somebody. Mm -hmm. For them to say they're coming and they never come. And then when they come, they get an attitude at me because I couldn't hold it. You know what I'm
0: saying? And you know what? You know, we're not gonna even disclose the hospital where you were at. And because that's just that, and you know, like to see you right now crying and hurting that is pitiful because when you go to the hospital or when you call on the police or anything like that like that is their job that is what they sign up to do that is what they spend money to go to school for and to think that after experiencing a brain injury that you had to experience that, that is very disheartening. And I can't imagine like staring death in the face and I survived and now I got to deal with this. So that one thing for sure I can say about truth you are very strong, you know, you are loving, you are caring, you are nurturing. But at some point through it all, you're going to have to realize that about yourself. And feel it, believe it, and mean it. Because other than that, people are going to feel like they can do this to you. Because it just sounds like a pattern of just being walked over. Of being walked on. Because me, I, I... I I see you or not? I probably would have said, well, the reason why I'm not calling you and the reason why I'm stoked is because when I had such a such a nurse, she made it a like it was a big problem. I had a brain injury. You could bet you couldn't even walk. You had to learn to walk again. I had to learn how to walk all
1: over again because when I first went into surgery, they put a stent. Mm-hmm. The stent didn't take. So four or five days later they did the balloon plastic where they opened up the, the the vein you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it was just so crazy because when i would wonder why they was coming in my room every morning taking my feet and using a first and second finger and just you know squishing mm-hmm. my feet mm. and I didn't understand why they was doing that and the whole time it was to see if I could actually Feel. And I didn't. Were you able to feel? No, I still can't feel my toes. My right on my right foot, it's a done deal. The fact that I had to learn how to walk all over again, I'm still weak on my right side. My right hand, you know, is weaker, you know, but I didn't find out that what even happened to me until maybe days later, because nobody told me. And I don't even
0: think it was days. I actually think it was weeks. (laughs) Really? Yeah, it was not days for you. It was weeks. In the span, like, just judging from you recalling your events of coming to, Mm -hmm. it was actually not days. It was weeks. That is so sad.
1: And I didn't know. And I I honestly did not know. And the fact that Nobody would tell me anything when I found out that I even had a stroke. It was because after a year after it happened, I was cleaning out my laundry room and found my hospital papers and it said that I actually
0: had a stroke. Wow. Now, fast forwarding to after the stroke. um, Nikki Red came with her husband. Awesome. And actually spent some time staying with me. Before that, actually before that, mm-hmm. you came to visit me in
1: the hospital and I fell. I remember. I wasn't there. No, it was after when you fell. It left. They after me, I left. They made me sit in a chair and I didn't want to get up. And they said I needed to sit there for a while just to, you know, to get myself up. And me being me, I'm like, okay, I want to lay down. All I wanted to do was lay in fetal position and just look, you know, and go to sleep. And I knew, I told myself, I said, you know what? I can make it from this chair to the bed because it was only like two feet away. So the fact that I couldn't move my right leg, I said I could, Uh but I really couldn't. Wow. So I took my right leg and I said, I'm just going to take this step and move this one quicker. Mm -hmm. It didn't work out how I planned it in my mind. Mm -hmm. And sure enough, I twisted up and fell straight to the side of the bed. I think I sat there for like 15, 20 minutes, maybe 30. I don't know how long it was before somebody came and found me with my arm wrapped up through the IV. I, I, I don't know how long it was before. I honestly, I can't say. And when he found out about it that they let me fall. He, who is he? My husband. Mm-hmm. They had, he had a straight fit. Mm-hmm. He went off. He snapped, you know, but mm-hmm. that's the stuff that he do. But it's, it's sad, sad and it's just sad.
0: But in snapping and fast forwarding to you all spending time with me. You know, and watching you pretty much go from a downward spiral to a semi upward spiral to getting back to the norm, mm-hmm. going back to the norm, and it was a, it was for me knowing what you had been through, and seeing you in that stage you were in in life, and knowing that you were staring death in the face. It was empowering for me to see you not let it get you down and just jump back into life and just trying to live life as normally as possible. But what was very hurting for me to see, because I'm younger than you, to watch you go through all of that. Staring death in the face. Can't walk. Learning to walk. Trying to remember. Can't remember this. Trying to put the pieces of the puzzle together of life. And to come back out of all of that. And to go right back where you started at with the same stress and the same bullshit. That, for me, hurt it. It's hard. It's
1: so hard. It's really hard, you know, being in the hospital, going through what I was going through, not wanting to eat, being threatened to have a feeding tube put in you because you didn't want to eat nor drink. Mm -hmm. I didn't take a bite out of nothing for at least two weeks after being up in there. And it showed on your physical appearance? It showed. I was small. I was so small. I was small. And it's just sad. And it's like, from that day on, I can't eat but once a day. I do a lot of snacking here and there, but I can't eat but once a day because I get full too quick. You know, I guess my stomach's strong during the process of me being in the hospital, but right. it's hard.
0: So what are some things that you're doing, like, it's supposed to, like, do you exercise? Because apparently you're still stressed. I don't exercise. I lay in my house all day,
1: lay in my bed. It's the one that I ain't got bed sores.
0: It almost, you know, it just seems like you're living a life
1: of depression. I was depressed for two and a half years.
0: And I'm coming up on three years of my stroke. So currently today, as we speak, June 6th. July? June 6th. This is
1: June. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, today is June 6th. So one month from today, from now... I'll be three years into my stroke.
0: Do you feel like you are still living the life of living in depression, which causes, which is the trigger of stress? I do. So what can we do? Or what more or less, what can you do to figure out ways to cope? Because you're not leaving your husband. All the things that you're going through, you're not leaving your husband all the things that you may be going through with your child and with your family and just with everything that's going on in life, period. Because right now, we living in a time. You understand? Like, this is a time, a critical time.
1: Very critical.
0: To be living in. Mm-hmm. What can we do? Like, what are some things that you feel that we could do to help you just at least cope with it? Because Right now, you on the front lines. you on the front lines. Again, you're in a critical situation. You're in a critical situation just as far as like just being a black female. Things that you are dealing with within your relationship. Things that you are dealing with with your child. Things that we just have to deal with in life. You are my sister. You are on the front line. Right? Mm-hmm. You just went to the doctor today to see a heart doctor.
1: Sonogram on the ground my heart.
0: What are some things that you feel that we can do to just try and help you cope because you're not walking away from your marriage? Obviously, has things gotten better? No. Things have not gotten better. And you're not leaving that situation, are you? I'm trying to make it work. You are still trying to make it work on your end, mm-hmm. but it doesn't seem like the other person is w- trying to make it work. Right, but at the end of the day, you're still staying put. You're you're not leaving right now.
1: Right now, I'm not
0: leaving. No. And we're not here to judge and tell you. What, we sh- what you should do or what I would do if I was in that situation because I'm not in that situation. It's not me. But what are some things that we can help you cope? Because at the end of the day, we want you to live. We want you to be able to tell your testimony. But in telling your testimony and staring that straight in the face, what can we do? To help you live, because for you, is life a death. You know what's the sad part? I'm, I'm telling me. I was told that I have a
1: 30% chance of it happening to me again, and that's not a small percentage for me.
0: So I don't want to say, or oh, if it was me, I would do A, B, C, X, Y, Z. Because we are not the same. We are individually different, right? It's easier said than done. Don't but, sense. but, but, when it comes down to my life and my health, that's hard. And being it's there for my children and for you, you have grandchildren. I do. Like, what is it going to take? What are some things that we can do? Let's just, I mean, you can't control your husband. No. You can't control your children. No. The only person that you are in full control of is you. Myself. WTF, are you gonna do? I love my life.
1: I stared death in the face three years ago, almost three years ago. I can't take it back what happened to me. I can't take it back for nothing that I've done since this has happened to me. But I can change the past. And all I can do is. How? How can you
0: change the past? Look out for me and worry about me. That's not. Focus on the past. Let's focus on now and the future. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I said it wrong. I can change the future. I can't change the
1: past. Okay. But I can change the future. Okay. And the future is about me and, you know, focusing on myself and what I need to do Mm -hmm. to keep
0: myself healthy. Mm -hmm. And stress is not good for me. It's not Mm -hmm. good for anyone. It's not. And And the people need to know that it's not. And
1: it's easier said than done. Do not stress. Don't worry about this and don't worry about that. But the thing is you're going to think about it here and there. It's going to be hard not to unless you're just a, a person that literally don't give a, care about anything in this world. Mm-hmm. It's going to be hard for you not to care.
0: Right. So listening to you You know, and and knowing what you're dealing with on a personal level, Mm -hmm. you know, I just want you to look at yourself in the mirror and say, I am special. I'm not perfect. I deserve more. I am worthy. Of greater things. Through the most high. Period. I deserve more. I'm worth more. I don't deserve to be mistreated. I don't deserve to be hurt. I don't deserve any cruel thing that somebody is trying to put me through. Mm -hmm. I'm worth more. You have to learn your worth and you have to know that a person is only going to do to you what you allow them to do to you. And I'm here to tell you that you deserve more. You're a great person. You will be there for anybody when they need you. It doesn't matter who they are, but you're not a doormat. You deserve more. You have to love you. Because once you're gone, life is still gonna go on for everybody else. So everything that's causing you stress with your husband, your children, whatever the case may be, like life is still gonna go on for them when you're not here. Unless it's the most highest will, I don't have no control of that, right? We have no control over that because you can we can walk outside and a freak accident get stung by the wrong being that you understand what I'm saying? But you have control of what you allow people to do to you. You have control of the people that you invite into your life, into your space. You have control of that, and you deserve more than what's being issued out to you, or I'm gonna change that. You deserve more than what you're accepting and allowing. And you have to believe that. You have to look at yourself in the mirror and you have to believe that we all are guilty of it. We all have had stages in our life where, whether it was in high school, whether it was in college, you know, whether it was just, you know, in our 20s, our 30s, sometimes our 40s. But you need to know that you deserve more. And there's people that genuinely love you and care for you and expect you to be here. But regardless of how they feel, you have to love you. Yeah, I do. And you have to love you and mean it. And I'm not saying loving you means leave your husband. Because I don't know what type of divine intervention he could have and get on the straight path. Like, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know the future. And I'm not going to tell you what you should do. But I'm going to tell you that you need to start focusing on you, and you need to love you, you need to respect you, and you need to know that if a person, be it your husband, your child, your neighbor, if they can't respect you, they are no good for you. Period. Nobody felt the pain that you felt when you was in the hospital recovering and laying and pissed. And falling on the floor, nobody felt that shit but you. You could tell the world, but nobody felt it but you. There should be nothing or nobody that's worth experiencing that again ever in life, and that's real shit. So you gotta make a choice. If that happened when three years ago and you were 43. And the Most High has blessed you to continue to live, not being pushed in a wheelchair, not being bed bound, like you are able to do things for yourself. There are people that are your age and younger that can't do for themselves. But you can. So He's sparing you. The Most High is sparing you. The Most High is looking out for you, He's giving you a chance. Don't take Him for granted. You can go to church, you can pray, but if you're taking him for granted, that is unacceptable. Now, I'm not saying you need to figure this shit out today. I'm saying take it one day at a time. But in taking it one day at a time, you need to love you. You need to know your. you are a beautiful black queen. You're a great mother. You're a great wife. You're a great daughter. You're a great friend. You're a great cousin. You're a great in law. You are great. On top of the talents that you possess, on top of the love that you have for people, you are great. But you got to believe that shit. You were put here for a purpose. You're still here. I was spared. So there's a purpose for you. Yeah. Don't take it for granted. Everybody's not blessed to tell their story and give their testimony. But you are. So don't take it for granted. And I want to thank you for coming on the show and expressing yourself because I'm sure that it's going to touch somebody and I'm sure that it's going to change somebody's life. And I want everybody to keep you lifted in prayer throughout your journey. And I want to thank everybody for tuning in for the first episode of High Heels and Chill. And like I said, we will touch on a variety of topics. And our goal is to reach somebody. So hopefully in this episode, we have reached somebody. And I want to thank you again and again and again and again. And I want to thank you all for tuning in. And once again, this is not a place to judge. But empower Enough love. Thank you all for tuning in to High Heels and Chill.